How do you like that? Guy gets laid more dead than I do alive. No, she couldn't have. He couldn't have. I get yelled at when I just lay there. Episode 182, Be Excellent to Batarangs. Previously, Andy, Joe, and yours truly had just covered the top 10 highest grossing films domestically of 1989. We now rejoin Geek Salad already in progress. Excellent! Alright, so let's do some uh, social media feedback, which will be some of the movies we talked about already, as well as some other stuff. Um, Michael, I'll let you read John's stuff when you... When we get to that, okay? Okay. So, um, Dave McLean, a friend of the show and also author of the uh, the uh, Time Travelers uh, Resort and Museum on Amazon, um, <laughs> brought up Indiana Jones for the still a kid uh, me, sexualized and videotape for the almost adult me. Oh, I forgot this movie. <laughs> that movie came on. This I year. did too. I did too. I only watched it once. And that's because when I started working for Adopter Video, I went on a real independent film kick. No kidding. Like really? a t- yeah, I know, huh? Maybe the man I am today, but... Um, for good or for ill. I don't really know... I don't really have much memory of this movie other than James Spader just... Yeah. Just really know. specializes in creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he still does. Uh, Chris! From Chris's Cultural Corner. KKK! That's not good! Brings up uh, UHF, as posted by this gif. <laughs> We're going to get that, to UHF in just a minute, yeah. okay? I'm going to talk about it once I go over uh, Chris's other listings here. So, uh, Say Anything? Yeah. Thoughts on Say Anything? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like the archetypical art- late 80s rom-com. No, I don't say rom-com, but... Kind of. Joe, you and I were at that age right now. We, we, we could only live up to this movie. And yeah. In terms of Lloyd Dobler, yeah. you could only strive to attempt... To maybe be half as awesome as Lloyd Dobbin. Oh yeah, no, no kidding. And it's just even when you think about it too, Lloyd Dobler is kind of an impossible human being. He really he is. is. He's an impossible ideal. That he no he loves too hard. He's also yeah. He's, he's okay. A, <laughs> okay, Dwayne. Yeah, he's also a hopeless romantic who's into the coolest music at the time. Does kickboxing, you know, kickboxing's for the future. He's too perfect. He's he's too perfect, but at so the how, same so time, how, so he's can, kind of an idiot. So how can I, when he's guy's character now just absolutely just fall in over heads? She's like, he's like perfect. He's like right. everything that any female at the time would have, like... Well, a lot Here, of that... Let me give you a pen. <laughs> right. A lot of that does have to do with the influence her dad had, because her dad was going to jail. Yeah, that's so. true, yeah. All right, um... Chris also mentions Batman, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Major League! Say hey! Billy Mays Hayes here. Play like Mays, and I run like Hayes. How you doing? 
How you doing? My man. Lou Brown. Nice to meet you, Hayes. The parking lot is right out there. Thanks. Oh, and uh, don't you guys go anywhere. Plan to put on a hitting display. I don't remember a Hayes on the list. It's so, so good. Major League is Major one of those, you know, I, I have arguments with people about this all the time, about what the greatest baseball movie ever made was. It's still Bull Durham. Oh, Bull Durham, without opinion. a doubt. But um, this is, is a better baseball, baseball movie. But as a silly kind of comedy oh, yeah. about baseball, oh, Major yeah. League is just, again, it's one of those, it's a highly quotable Oh my God. This is the kind of movie, my father-in-law loves this movie. And he um, he will quote this movie three seconds before the line is actually said while you're watching it. It's like, Jim, you know, it's hard to watch this with you. He's like, I don't care. Get under it, Dorn. Don't give me this Olay bullshit. <laughs> Just a bit outside. Oh, jeez. Yeah, Bob Euchre. Bob Euchre is magic in this movie. gold in this yeah. movie. He's gold. The funniest thing is, you know the weakest link in this movie is? It's Charlie Sheen. He was like the top-billed star in this movie. Because he's just kind of being... He's just there. Du- he's just being Charlie Sheen turned to douche. Yeah. But he's, but that's the thing. He's just there. He's just right. kind of there. He's, he's, he's window dressing to everything else he, that's He's on. a lead actor in a supporting role. Yeah. Um, It just... Corbin Burnson... Yeah. Yeah. ...is so good in this movie. And people don't talk about how good he really is in this movie. Because he's the... You know... He's just, he's made his money. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit anymore. He's, he's, he's at the tail end of his career. He's, all he's, he, all he cares about is endorsements. Yep, exactly. Know? The fact that he just won't hurt himself at all. Yeah. That's the whole thing about the Olay bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wesley Snipes in yeah. one of his first oh, movies. Oh, that's right, yes. Jimmy, uh, Willie Mays. Willie Mays Hayes. <laughs> Oh, uh, and- yeah, when he slides into, he tries to slide into second base and the player's like, yeah, I'm on. <laughs> well, there's that great bit, too, at the, at the beginning where he just shows up. Or, uh, <laughs> he, he just, just shows, shows up, up spring training. Spring training. Nobody, knows, nobody knows if he was invited and he just kind of shows up. <laughs> he just shows up, so they put his cot like in the parking lot and he wakes up and he's like, they started without me! And he outruns. <laughs> oh, God. Who, was, who played? Who played the manager? He was so. Oh, good I don't at remember his name. Oh. Um, but the manager, he was so good. At yeah. This, this guy's dead. Yeah, yeah. Take is. him off the list, then. <laughs> it's a. It is. It is a really well, good. What, what league? California Penal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk for a few, if you will, about UHF. This was the one Catherine really loves. Oh, I love this movie, too. I haven't watched this one in a long time. I, I think I've seen it like a couple of times, and it's been a long time since I've, I watched it. I remember <laughs> laughing my ass off while yeah. I was watching it. Yeah. This is just... It's a fun movie. The weird thing about this movie is how many just awful people it introduced to the world. <laughs> Michael Richards. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Victoria Jackson. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Well no, well, no. You know what? Victoria Jackson was already making but her name. In, she in, started in it live. Yeah, yeah, no. It only took another 20 years to become truly heinous he, yeah, as a human totally. being. But, yeah. Michael Richards. Oh, my God. Michael Richards is in this movie. It's one of his first roles, too. Yeah, yeah before Seinfeld. Yeah. yeah this is... Um, Ron Brown Seinfeld just came out, I think, Sein- uh, Seinfeld was 92. No, no, Seinfeld premiered 30 years ago this month. Said, oh. Yeah, it was this month, but it did, like, 
It was this weird thing, like right, it Craig, premiered well, Craig, in '89, but it didn't get a full series order until nine, like later in 1990. And Kramer didn't become a big character until until like the second or third season. Yeah, so oh yeah, the, the first two seasons of Seinfeld are really choppy in terms of when they were released. But Michael Richards was also he was the villain in um, Problem Child, which came out the next year. Yeah. Oh yeah. From the same guys who wrote uh, Parenthood. Which is weird because all the promotional tie-ins for parent for uh, Problem Child were Parenthood related. Oh, because of course they were. Um, but this movie's got so many great little like spoof ideas. Well, I mean that's that's basically what he what Weird Al was trying to do. He was like, well, you know, I just spoof mu- music with my song, so let's spoof movies with my movie. Yep. Never before in the history of motion pictures has there been a screen presence so commanding. So powerful, so deadly. He's Conan, the librarian. Can you tell me where I can find a book on astronomy? Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? Conan, the librarian. I'm sorry, these books are a little overdue. (laughs) And he did, I mean, it's... And it's a, you know what it's a shame he he didn't like. I mean, the, the, it's a shame he didn't build a career out of the actual plot of the movie is very generic. Yeah, yeah. But what he does with all the bits, I mean, Wheel of Fish. Yes. Is you're so really stupid. Oh, Red Snapper, very tasty. <laughs> oh God, that um. His Indiana Jones parody. Oh yeah, that that was hilarious. <laughs> I remember that. And, and it's Very got clearly. it's got the music video for "Money for Nothing," Beverly Hills Billies yep. in the movie. Yep, um, it's a dream sequence. With one of, off with playing guitar. Yep. yep. One of my favorite jokes in this movie is not said by Al Yankovic though. It's said by like the head of the the major network. What would he say if he were alive today? And one of like the cronies is just like, "Get me out of this box! I can't breathe! It's on here! Please help me out!" <laughs> Every time I see that, I just die laughing because it's, it's just like again, they just snap cut to it, and it's just brilliant. Oh god! <laughs> There's always you know, and the other thing too, and another takeaway, I, you know, thirty years on, I still take with this movie is that I'm I'm looking for like a tropical drink. I have a blueberry daiquiri. <laughs> And it's just like this gigantic thing with like, like you know, there's like a little water slide or something like that. Oh. I, I do love his expression when he's doing his Rambo, his Rambo. Oh yeah, daydream. You get the full like. Oh, the shot. full yeah, the full yeah, yeah the, the sneer, the full sneer. <laughs> he's just oh, it's mowing down people after people after people. It, it really is. A, it's it's a really great movie. Um. Well, it's it's a very funny. It's not a great movie, but it's you know what it, it it's one of those com- those late eighties serviceable comedies that yes. does. It's definitely it's earned its cult classic yes. status, and it's yes. got and the thing is it's got staying power. It yeah, does, the, it does. The comedy in it is golden. Now try to well, explain. because it's, it's universal comedy, right? Yeah. Now you try to explain to a child what the lower fifty six is. Oh God! You know, yeah. In this day and age, what is UHF? I, I don't have time for you right now. I don't. I can't. I truly have nothing for you. So uh, Mike's going to read his girlfriend stuff now. Yeah, she, she always... Johnny, you always go on quite a bit, don't you? <laughs> well, <laughs> let her go, for God's sake. All right. Um, she goes, wow, it's amazing how many of these I didn't see. 
Uh, must have been really busy in school this that year. I did see War of the Roses, a.k.a. How Dysfunctional Divorce Leads to Double Death. Yep, did you guys see that one? Which one? Uh, I've, War of the Roses. I've seen that one, yeah. I saw it once. I th- Danny DeVito is the standout of that movie. Well, you know what it was? It's like, you're thinking, okay, it's going to have all, it's going to have, it's got the actors from Romancing the Stone. Yeah. yeah. And you're thinking, oh, great, because Romancing the Stone was such a good movie. Oh, They're very, very unlikable people. Oh, it was so unenjoyable. It, 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 there was no, yeah, like you said. I get what they were trying to do. There, with it. Right, but, to be, but it there falls was no, on its ear. But yeah. there's no sympathetic characters in it, so you're like, what the? I don't want to see these people. Right. I mean, the only reason you like uh, Danny DeVito's character so much is that he's unsympathetic, but he's meant to be kind of an unsympathetic character, so right. you go with right. it. He's also the narrator. Yeah. He's narrating this tale of awfulness. Uh, anyway, she uh, then she goes, Dead Poet Society, oh, Captain, yep. my captain. And Turner and Hooch, this oh. is not your room. Oh, where boy. Where they managed the, the minor miracle of killing the dog and yet to- not totally and permanently devastating us all. Still Magnolias, though, did enough to- devastating to make up for it. Oh, God, Steel Magnolias. Oh. Um, Joe, have either of your wives forced you to watch... Uh... Uh, Make it sound like you were married. You know, you're still married to two women at the same time. Yeah, my my first wife made me watch it, and yeah, Mm. yeah. Um, uh, Why? Why do women put themselves through this? Why? I don't know. I Autumn watched. I I, I watched it with Autumn because he was quoting a few really nice, you know, funny lines from him. Like, okay, fine, I'll give it a chance. Yeah, that was a bad move. Look. I don't mind watching sad movies. You know, if it just happens... You know, if I'm watching a movie and it just happens to be sad and yeah. gets an emotion out of me and I cry, that's fun, one thing. I don't watch movies purposely to make me sad. Yeah. Oh, you mean cry porn? No! Yeah, not cry porn. I don't... This is cry porn. This is cry porn, exactly. This I is the notebook. The notebook is cry porn. I don't watch movies for the express purpose of making me cry. And this is what this is. It's like, why do women do this to yourself? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's a lady thing. I guess so. She also followed that up with a guilty pleasure flick, Teen Witch. I am not familiar with Teen I've Witch. Never I've heard never heard of that before. Heard of Teen Witch. But apparently she thinks it's a good movie because it's her guilty pleasure. Ah. Cool. All right. John Saul just sent a gif of Jack Nicholson as the Joker. <laughs> Who was... Let's face it. It wasn't the Joker. It was Jack Nicholson playing the Joker. Yeah. In 30 years of hindsight, has proven to me anything. It, it was Jack playing Jack. Yeah. yeah. At the time, awesome. Oh, yeah. Amazing. But when you go back to it, it's... You realize it's Jack playing it's Jack. It's Jack right. playing Jack. And that, you know what? You can honestly say, that's kind of the first movie where you start do, just doing just being Jack. Yeah. Well, they're going to pay me to play um, myself. Right. Where he, first, he starts playing the character of Jack Nicholson. You know what? No. That, what, you're going to say Witches of Eastwick? No, I'm going to say The Shining. No. no. The shine out was Jack. You know what? I'll grant you, I'll grant you a little bit of leeway there. Not a lot. Not giving you a whole when, thing. When he was going, when he starts going right to the end, I was like, eh, now it's Jack kind of like showing his ass a little bit. <laughs> All right. Lisa Denonker Krauss brings up uh, Last Crusade, a deniably Harrison Ford's best performance is Indiana Jones. We get a Bernie's. What kind of a host invites you to his house for the weekend and dies on you? Why would he do this, huh? I mean, he had everything. A house, cars, women. 
This is tragic. I don't understand why he couldn't wait until Monday to kill himself. Look, we, we, we have to call the police, huh? I mean, and how am I going to get back to the city? He promised me a ride. How did this movie, that was such a stupid premise, have a lifespan that's that's essentially exceeded 30 years at this point? How? It is it had a sequel. I don't, I don't deny that. It was an enjoyable movie. It right. had a sequel. The character died in the beginning of the first movie, and he still made it through the sequel. Yeah, it was voodoo magic, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but they made it work. I, I mean, they did. They did. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen this movie since the days of uh, VHS, but, um, yeah, Uncle Buck. Hello. Shanice? Honey? Honey, I have some bad news. Let me guess. You are not coming into work in the morning. Just l- let get no, but you don't. Would you just let me give me let me get the, let me get you're not give me a oh goodbye. Oh, this is a, well. This is considered a cult classic among John Candy. This is yeah. This is the thing. It's it's a John Hughes movie that actually is only a produced by John Hughes movie. Right. This is not my favorite John John Candy movie. It, you it's, know, it's funny you say that because a lot of people, for a lot of people, this is their favorite. Oh, this is yeah. yeah, exactly. And the weird this, this is the this is this is this is the John Candy right. movie for a lot of people. Here's an unpopular opinion. There is there is no arguing that John Candy is a brilliant comedic actor, but most of the movies where he played the lead, mm-hmm. they're pretty terrible movies. Yeah. 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 Um, this, I mean, there, there's a bunch of movies in the mid-80s that he did that were just terrible movies. And this is just John Candy playing John Candy. You know? John, throw on the overcoat, smoke a cigar, enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Th- this one, I don't know, it's... Like, I liked it in the beginning, but when it started getting all serious towards the end, I was like, "Oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not into it." Hey, anymore. he stopped a rapist. Great. Yeah. Um, police also bring up Major League and Roadhouse. Roadhouse. <laughs> Name is Dalton. Um, which is a lot, which is uh, a lot better to quote than it is to watch. That's no, what you know what? I, I enjoy watching it just for the cheesy value of it. That's why I say it's better to quote than it is to it's, watch. It's, it, it is. It, uh, my you, way or the highway. How, how you make a movie out of it, how they made a movie out of this out of this premise? I have no Dude, idea. This is the ultimate bro eighties yeah. movie. Oh yeah, every oh, yeah. bro yeah, that. who found out at work that found out that this movie came out in nineteen ninety. Yo, you're gonna talk about Roadhouse? Roadhouse, Roadhouse. really? Where Dal- just, Dalton literally rips. A man's larynx. Yeah, out with his bare fucking hands. Do you you know what I remember most about this movie? Is um, the fact that Mystery Science Theater... (laughs) Patrick's Lazy Christmas. No. I'll have to bash your kneecaps if you bastards touch my car. No, the thing that stands out for me on this movie is the the, uh, Family Guy parody. Where Peter's going around kicking everybody going, Roadhouse! 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 I don't. I think, I think I've seen this movie enough to have pieced together a plot. The whole thing. A semblance no, of a the, plot. No, the whole movie. Like I might have seen this oh, movie please, its entirety. No semblance of a plot. Over the course of thirty years, and oh. watching like fifteen minutes at a time. I remember Jeff, the Jeff Healy band. Yeah, I know the Jeff Healy band was involved somehow. Yeah, they were. Bigfoot. Bigfoot was in it. <laughs> of course, it was. <laughs> this movie is essentially a six pack pack of warm schlitz. <laughs> 
and stale beer nuts. <laughs> this is you know what this movie is. Sir. This movie is every eighties cliche rolled Hell into yeah. one. Yep, yes, exactly. Yeah. This is how you close out eighties action movies. Patrick Swayze even had the big hair in this one too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's harder to find a movie where Patrick Swayze doesn't have the big hair when he got naked for the ladies. Well, I'm sure he did. Sure. All right, so um, another feedback we got was uh, from our friend M at Verbal Diorama. Um, so earlier in the week, I asked her if she could record a piece about uh, one, of, one of her choices for one of her favorite 80s movies. And she had it winnowed down between, um, between The Little Mermaid and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, you so can't go later, wrong with that. Earlier today, I did ask her if she had a piece ready for um for me and she's and she responded back to me saying i haven't had a chance sorry um i know i know but honestly it wasn't because they didn't have time or anything peaceful like that it was just because i'm annoyed about mike stealing bill and ted off of me (laughs) keanu is mine i'm going um i'm going to go and sulk in the corner until he uh, he relinquishes his control over the most excellent movie in existence so i i rent we we bought that vhs and we wore it out. We got it so bad it, it was going up over the reels. Alright, let's um let's discuss Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, Mike, because I kinda have a feeling like you want to. This is also, I think, the third show in a row we've discussed uh Bill it's damn close. It's at least the second. We did talk about it last time. Yes we did. Socrates. Hey, we know that name. Yeah. Hey, look him up. Oh, it's under Socrates. Oh, yeah. Socrates. The only true wisdom consists in knowing that you know nothing. That's us, dude. Oh, yeah. Let's bag him. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Why? Explain to me why. Because it is just... It is... Just two guys that are not too bright, but they're good-hearted, and they just get the stroke of luck because they're trying to get wild stallions off off the ground, and they, <laughs> and then they realize that their songs are going to bring universal peace, and they have to time travel in order to pass a history exam. Okay, that is just a ludicrous premise, but it, it, it makes it work. I, it you know, I will not deny that a lot of the things that they did, the tropes that they created in this movie, and these these are created by Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, like, every time they said something and they do the air guitar, you actually play the air guitar. Excellent! You know, that, um, I still remember the, uh, the trailer for this, where it's like, Put them in the Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden? Excellent! Execute them. Bogus. There, there is some really fun stuff in this movie. And it, believe it or not, does kind of hold up. And it's got an it's awesome soundtrack. Up, yeah. It's just, you know, and I, I mentioned this the last episode. Per, and this is just a personal thing. It's just a point in time I just don't feel like I ever want to revisit. Just was n- it was a very different time for me. Maybe not for you, but uh, I, yeah. I, as a junior in high school at this point, when this movie was released, I you know <laughs> I was a sophomore in high school, and actually this, that was our first date movie. Oh, was this uh, nice. the infamous you and Catherine? Yeah, date movie. Yeah, still wow. blown away by that. 
Wow. How did I not see it? Um, How could you not see it? That, we that was a great That's true. Then again, movie. yeah, it's a... Great date movie. You're the one who yelled at me for PDA and during Riding Express. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I forgot. It was 30 years ago. I'm old. I mean, you got George Carlin as Rufus. Um, and The uh, French chick from uh, Better Off Dead is one of the oh, princesses. Oh, that's right, yes. Diane Franklin. And, uh, oh, what's his name? That, that um... The uh, Asian, and of, and of course, the Asian henchman. Oh and yeah, Young. Yeah, the, and of course, the inim- inimitable George Carlin. We just mentioned I that. Just mentioned oh, it. I did. Yeah, Rufus. Not Joe. Yeah, I'm sorry. And, uh, and uh, Leong as Genghis Khan, and when he, when he tore up the sporting goods. Oh, that was. Yeah. I I laugh every damn time I watch that movie. It is I kind of funny it. too. Like Jane Wielden from the, uh, the Go Go's yeah. plays Joan of Arc in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Um. And I, I, I do love the bit with Napoleon going to the water park. That's called Waterloo. What to do? What to do? And then he eats the entire Ziggy Piggy. Ziggy Piggy, Ziggy Piggy, Ziggy Piggy. I, I, love, I, I can't wait to, I can't wait to see what they do with Bill yeah. and Ted Three. I, I love it when, when they're trying to pass off all these historical figures. To, um, as actor, as, no, yeah. To, to uh, build a stepmom, yeah. He's like, uh, here's Dave Beethoven. Here's uh, John Genghis Khan. Here's uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All right. Other notable releases of 1989. We're already over an hour, so we got to kind of move along here. My personal favorite rom com ever. When Harry met Sally. Men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. That's not true. I have a number of men friends and there is no sex involved. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. You only think you do. You're saying I'm having sex with these men without my knowledge? No, what I'm saying is they all want to have sex with you. They do not. Do too. They do not. Do too. How do you know? Because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her. So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive? No, you pretty much want to nail him, too. It's a good uh, one. It's, it's, I just recently watched this, like, three weeks ago. It okay. holds up, like, nobody's business. Outside of the sweaters. Well, this, I mean... This, I get a lot of emotions tangled in with this movie, so I can't really... Okay. A lot of rock, uh, who did you who did you take on a date to this one? It wasn't uh, it's oh. my uh, my ex. Your ex, okay. I went with Amanda Banco to this one. Oh, you did not. Did I you? did. Oh, god. oh my god. Oh, Andy. This was Rob Reiner, wasn't this it? This was Rob, Rob Reiner. Reiner. This was Rob Reiner's follow up I mean, to I, the Princess I, Bride. I will I will say, my issues aside, this was actually a very good movie. This is. It, it, I remember it, enjoying it, how well it was made, and the dynamic between Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan was actually excellent. Which is amazing, because Billy Crystal is not much of an actual actor, more than a comedic actor. Correct. Yeah. But they have just undeniable chemistry, chemistry together, oh, yeah. and it's it works really well. And the fact I mean, that he's so funny, and he can be a jerk, but he's also really earnest. And when you think about it, when you think about it like Meg Ryan is like the original... Pixie Dream Girl. Yeah, yeah. she is the first yeah. manic Pixie Dream and you, Girl. And you think, okay, there's no way these two are compatible. She should not be with him. Yeah. But they made it work. Yeah. But yeah, no, this is, this movie is so quotable. 
I learned so much from this movie. Like, you can never, you can never have great sex with Sheldon. <laughs> to be fair, a lot of Rob Reiner's movies are imminently quotable. Actually, here's the interesting thing with this movie, too. I saw Billy Crystal about two years ago live. Mm-hmm. He's oh, wow. kind of like doing his, you know, I'm an old man, yeah. you know, yeah. memoirs tour. And he talked about the scene. The scene in the deli. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the orgasm scene. And he's like, Meg Ryan wasn't quite getting what he wanted from her like Rob Reiner had a very distinct idea of what he wanted and she just couldn't figure out how he wanted it like mm-hmm. she had an idea but it wasn't what he wanted yeah. so he was like listen Meg watch me and they, keep in mind they got all the extras there it's in the deli yeah. and they only have a very limited amount of time yeah. to shoot Right. so he just sits down and he starts doing the whole thing and after he's done he walks off and Billy Crystal like Rob that was great What's wrong? Why do you look so upset? He's like, Billy, I just came in front of my mother. <laughs> because Estelle Reiner yep. was the I'll have well, she's, she's yeah, she's the one, yeah. Yep. Um, this movie is so quotable. Even the stuff with Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby, which, God rest their souls. I hope they're happy and have uh, them together. Um, between the wagon wheel coffee table yeah. and... Um, at the very beginning, this is something I just picked up for the very first time a few weeks ago when we watched this. Carrie Fisher's introduced as having like this adulterous affair with this guy that's never going to leave his wife. Yeah. And everybody t- says, she's never going to leave his wife. She's like, I know, I know, you're right, you're right, I know you're right, he's never going to leave her, you're right. She says it in that exact same tone with those exact same words seven times in this movie. Yeah. And I never picked up on that until this, this last viewing. Mm-hmm. It really is such a true... It is a wonderful... It's just a wonderful romantic comedy. I'm not much of a romantic comedy guy, but it avoids oh so much schmaltz. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, the big Disney release of the year. The yeah. Little Mermaid. Ariel, do you really think there might be sharks around here? Flounder, don't be such a guppy. I'm a guppy. This is great. I mean, I really uh, love this. Excitement, adventure, danger lurking around every corner. Ah! Oh, are you okay? Yeah, sure. No problem. I'm okay. Shh. With a white uh, Ariel and. Uh... <laughs> Good God. People. It's a fictional character. It is a fucking mermaid. Exactly. Seriously. I just love the fact that Terry Crews is like, yeah, I'm playing Triton. (laughs) I applaud everything you do, sir. I want to see those pecs bounce when you do it, too. Well, actually, isn't Javier Bardem yeah. one of the... Oh, God damn it. He's in discussions. He's in discussions to be King Triton. God damn it. Still, um... Out of like this, the, like the new, like the resurgence yeah. renaissance. Well, this was the re- this started the renaissance. This did, yeah, yeah, and started the renaissance. But I really truly believe that it didn't pick up steam until Beauty King. and the Beast. Yeah, um, yeah. I was gonna say Lion King, but no, well, no, 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 because this came first. This was nominated for Best right. Picture, and then Aladdin came out, and then The Lion King. Oh, The Lion King is the zenith. Yeah, because yeah. Everything yeah. else after that is the slow downward. All the way down to Treasure Planet. Right before Pixar came. Right before Pixar, yeah. So you had six good years before Pixar came. Ruined it for you. This was also the movie that introduced 
um, us to Disney's collaboration with Alan Menken. Menken and Ashburn. And Ashburn, Ashburn, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, eagle-eyed Broadway people would know that they were Little Shop of Horrors first. But, yeah, you're right. This is their first big... They they won Oscars for this. Yeah, and, I mean, it's... It's shocking to know that Ashman only did, really, this one, uh, Beauty and the Beast, and, like, half of Aladdin. Half of Aladdin before he died, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we only got two and a half movies with him, but the repercussions of his influence... No, he defined... defined, Yeah, yeah, he he created... soundtracks. He he brought new light back into Disney that we're still feeling today. Right, exactly. And this is essentially what introduced Disney to Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, Which is hilarious because they actually... They did put The Little Mermaid on Broadway and it was horrible. Oh, really? Oh, it's bad. Just imagine how bad it could be. Now, crank it up a little bit. It's bad. It's really bad. I will. I will point out if you do get the uh, the DVD release or Blu-ray release of this, yeah, the Little Mermaid. Do not watch the candlestick of the. Oh, the little matchstick girl. Actually, if you want your heart torn out and stomped on, just watch Paper Man instead. Well, that's all on the the uh, the shorts. Because I love I love Paper Man so much. Um, you know, I did forget somebody. Who did give us some more social media feedback? A uh, friend of the show, Matt Jones. Oh yes, who uh, just recently joined us to eviscerate Batman Forever. <laughs> okay, so Matt writes, no need to mention the hits in 1989, since you know uh, I know you'll just bring them up. Just a couple I do want to mention: The Abyss. I oh remember being God. absolutely blown away by this movie. James Cameron was still on his high from Aliens and hadn't yet degenerated into that whiny egoist that we all know and loathe today. It doesn't hold up quite as well now, and it's a lot preacher than I remember. Um, it being, uh, but it's still a damn fun rewatch. The director's cut on the DVD makes a lot more sense than the theatrical version. Okay. Um, also, yeah, Kenneth Branagh did a film version of Henry V yep. with every mm-hmm. amazing British actor he could find, and it was absolutely brilliant. Including himself. Including, of course. Nominee for director and actor for yes. this movie. Yes, he did. Um, all right, let's start with The Abyss. Oh, God. This, but, you know, the director's cut came out. My exact words were, just what this movie needed to be. Longer. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know what? I will say I, I did enjoy this movie. I, I, well, I did and I, I, I do. I saw it once. It, it's, it, it is long, but there's, there's enough there that keeps me interested. It's enough of a technical marvel that it's it earned its place in history that way, but there's a reason why this is his lowest grossing, like epic blockbuster. Yeah. It's it just it's it it goes on for way too long, and the issue is because he can't write characters yeah, no. to save his life. Well, that's the, it's, it's, that's the this is what this suffers from. It, it's got all the Cameron tropes that that you see throughout his career. I'm amazed there wasn't a white that, savior that, in this that, movie that peaked with. With with Avatar, right? This this is all that climbing the mountain to Avatar. Well, I think this is what kind of started giving him the big head when people were praising the Abyss on how like on, a, on a technical on a technical right. basis. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he's like, oh well, I can do anything now. But yeah, they're they're praising the technical. They're not this. The story is still. It, it, it's it's there, but yeah. Matt did want to remind was, us that at one George, point he he became George Lucas right. before George Lucas did. Yeah, Matt did want to remind us that there was a time we thought uh, James Cameron was a pretty good director, and I'm like, yeah, that was like two lifetimes ago. That was two <laughs> movies. That was only two movies. Yeah, Terminator and uh, well, the Terminator, Aliens, and, aliens. and, and Ter- then I mean, the Abyss, and then 
let's be honest, uh, Terminator 2, while a technical marvel, is way preachier than I remember. Um, True Lies is an oh, awful, awful movie. movie. It aged, it, it aged it backwards. Really way problematic. It's very problematic. And then there, there are fun moments in it, though. Yeah, but for the there most are fun part. moments. But at the same time, and the less said about Titanic and Avatar, the better. Yeah. Um, and then Henry V. It's a beautiful movie. It's one of my wife's favorite movies. I've never seen it. It's good. It is. Isn't, isn't it like like five hours long? No, no, that's Hamlet. Oh, okay. And that, and by the way, that's only four hours. Okay. Um, no, um. Henry V is like a tidy two hours, 15 minutes. It's not a long movie at all, but it, it was such a great introduction at Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Yeah. It truly is. And he, he Matt's right. They got everybody. Derek Jacobi just opens the damn movie up. Derek Jacobi played the master in Doctor Who. And peels back the curtain. Yep. Yeah. And literally peels back a curtain and there you are. There's Henry V. Christian Bale's in this movie. Wow. It is. Yeah, I know. He was young. I uh, still had the eye wart, though, so uh, the Christian Bale eye wart. How did you fit that under the cowl, I wonder? <laughs> Didn't that give everything away? Yeah, okay. So, after that, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Do you have some fire clocks? No, Bethany, those are Christmas lights. Don't throw me down, clock. I'll try not to, Aunt Bethany. Is this the airport clock? We're here! Hey, Grizz. Me and Bethany figured out the perfect gift for you. Oh, Uncle Lewis, you didn't have to buy me anything. Damn it, Bethany, he guessed it. Oh, that was fun. I love riding in cars. A my Christmas f- classic. Yes, yeah, it is my, it's, it's in my top five of favorite Christmas movies. Easily, yeah. We watched, this has become the every other year view. And I'll be honest with you, every year we watch it, it falls a little further down my list because Clark, the the more you watch it, the more you realize what a horrific human being Clark W. Griswold is. No, he really is. He is a jerk. He's terrible to his neighbors. I understand they're yuppie scum, but at the same time, um, he's just, he's terrible to these people who just don't like him. Yeah. But they're not doing anything malicious to him, you know? Um... You know, Eddie is a pretty... Eddie's a fucking chi- child predator. Yeah. That yeah, dude's yeah. a fucking predator. Yeah, but you knew that. You knew that in the first You knew that in the first movie, yeah, because, you know, when um, she learned how to French kiss, my daddy says I do it best. <laughs> so... But it does... I, my favorite line from this one. Yeah. <laughs> she falls down the well, her eyes go cross-eyed. Get kiss, kicked by mule, they go back. I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, oh, you know what... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know when this you know when this movie really like starts to show signs of life when Aunt Bethany shows yes. up. Yes, yes. From her first line is "Your house on fire, Clark." <laughs> Don't throw me down, Clark. <laughs> oh dear, did I break wind? <laughs> uh, May Questel is so good. Yeah. yeah, she is easily the MVP of this movie. Um, alright, Born on the 4th of July. I've never seen this one. I've no. seen it, actually, I saw, I saw it, it once. I saw it once and actually got dragged to the movie theater to watch it. Yeah, I'm trying to remember it. My, either my mom or some adult I'm related to made me go see it. All movie. I know is it stars him with Tom Cruise. Right. That's all I There know. was a time and a place where I thought Oliver Stone was one of the most brilliant filmmakers ever. And oh, that yeah. lasted for like a solid 20 years. Until JFK. Well, I used to love JFK, but we've got two years till we can talk about that one. That's 91. Yeah. Um, oh my god, this movie. I mean, it's just... Like, Platoon 
is possibly one of my, I think, one of the best Vietnam oh, movies easily. ever made. Easily. But, see, Mike's already bored by it. Um, but this one is just like, this just enters preachiness levels that you didn't notice in 89 because it was an important film. As I, you know, I was having that conversation with M today on Twitter about, you know, what's a movie and what's a film. This was a film, a film uh, from 1989. Now it's just like, it's, God, get, we understand, Vietnam War, bad. <laughs> you know, we don't, we didn't treat the veterans that came back well. We know that. Um, I hate to say, because I'm not a big fan of the movie, but Forrest Gump kind of did this better. With yeah. Lieutenant Diane. All right, moving on. All right, Mike. You can this, talk about this movie this all you want. This is my favorite baseball movie of all time. Field of Dreams. So what do you want? I want them to stop looking to me for answers, begging me to speak again, write again, be a leader. I want them to start thinking for themselves, and I want my privacy. No, I meant... Dog in a beer. Go on. Please. It's just, I mean, because it's not about the sport as much as it's about the sensation of watching it with other people or playing it with other people. It's about unity. It's about, like, um, it's about family, actually. This movie is about family. And I, I still remember the first time I watched it when... Um, Spoiler for the 30-year-old movie. Or 40-year-old movie. Not 30. 30. Yeah. Um, when he... When he says to his father at the end, Dad, do you want to have a catch? Yeah. I still remember the first time I watched that, that watched this movie, I had tears just streaming down my face. It was and I've heard such from an emotional I've heard movie. from a lot of people who've lost their fathers. That this is... that that's, the, that's what gets them every single time. Regardless of whether or not you like this movie or not, it really hits you. Mm-hmm. As a baseball movie. I still think it's fantastic. As a baseball movie, this movie is the eloquent Ken Burnsian sports writer's poetry of baseball. Yeah. This is the Dan Shaughnessy. This is the movie for the Dan Shaughnessy. I didn't think it's the Dan Shaughnessy. Dan Shaughnessy, first of all, is a fucking hack. Um, But... So the Dan, okay, right. Dan Roach. All right. So let me let me put it this way. There were were two different schools of thought with the um, the sports writer... Peter Gammons. Analogy. All right. Ron Shelton, who who wrote and directed Bull Durham, was a sports writer. Yeah, that's a pure, you know, logistics was, of baseball. He's a and beat writer. He was a beat, Ron he was a beat, was a beat writer. writer, right? Exactly. So Whereas, he, so he was every he he interacted with those players every single day. Right. Exactly. Whereas Field of Dreams is very much like that Ken Burns baseball type of poetry of baseball. Right. Somebody. Somebody that, that, who. That, Somebody who's not intimate with the game on right. a daily basis, but loves the game and knows the history. Exactly, yeah. it's it's a spectators. This is a spectators movie, not a players movie. That's probably why I'm more into this one. It's because I, I honestly, I don't, I could care less about baseball. Okay, but this just kind of idealizes. But you see, it, it, it's funny. Me and you know, as baseball fans, me yeah. and Andy, who I love baseball, Bull Durham is just, and it's, and it's not, it's. I mean, I love baseball as a sport, and I appreciate the history and the kind of the Americana of the whole thing over there. But the realities of Bull Durham, I find so much easier to relate to 
than the gauzy kind of romanticism of Field of Dreams. Right. You know? Right. Now, with that said, I mean, the, the, the scenes of like the baseball players coming out of the, um, yeah. the cornfield, very moving. Ray, Ray, Ray Leona is a great well, you, I mean, Joe Jackson. I mean, right when you think about when you think of the movie as kind of a sort of a redemptive arc of the of the Black Sox yeah. scandal, yeah, yeah, it kind of it, it, it works and it makes you feel it good inside. But I mean, it, it, but you know, at its core, it is about this guy who just had this break with his father, and right, kind yeah. of baseball was that kind of the, was the glue, the glue right, right. And the, his kind of reemergence back into loving baseball again <clears throat> is just his way of reconnecting with his father in a sense that he actually does at the end. Yeah. So, for me, this you know because I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a fan right. of baseball like you guys are. So this movie, just on a technical and a story standpoint, right? I find it connects with more with me in that right. aspect. Right. And you know, for me, I'm just more shocked. I'm not as I mean, other than I'm just like. Fucking cynic. Um, because I part of what I love about baseball is its history. I love that it's just it's it's a purely American game, and And it's history rooted. And when we went to the Hall of Fame five years ago, oh my god, you just you can't help but feel overwhelmed. Especially how much history is there. When you especially when you think that the basics of the game has not have not changed in over a century, that what you're seeing now. Is essentially the way it was done a hundred years, years ago. Yep, you know it's it's like baseball is the one constant in American life. Right. Um, would you say baseball is the constant, Ray? James, oh, o, James o. Jones. He said your exact I know, words. I know. So I know. you can't say a damn thing, sir. <laughs> All right, moving on to another truly American movie: Tango and Cash. What do you think? I think with your IQ, you're unarmed and still very dangerous. Okay, Sherlock Holmes, if you're so goddamn smart, you tell me who set us up. I don't know yet. Yeah, you don't know shit. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Relax. Soap. And don't flatter yourself. Pee-wee. I don't know you that well. Oh, that is Stallone and Kurt Russell. They get <laughs> naked in prison. <laughs> Jack Palance is the bad guy. He sits rats after each other. The crossover we never knew we needed. Oh, or wanted. Or wanted. This, oh God, this is pure 80s going into 1990 hokum. Yeah. I know you know, I'd say it's it's at its best. This movie is really fucking stupid. The fact of the matter is that Stallone is playing the smart one. It's fucking (laughs) stupid, but in a fun way. Right. Because I enjoy, I, I enjoy the stupidity of it, and I enjoy watching this. Movie. I just can't get over just because that. it's so over the fucking top. <laughs> the weirdest thing about this movie, all right, there's so much. To talk. This is the kind of movie we can just do a show on in and of itself. Stallone's the smart one. He you know shows up in like the Brooks Brothers yeah. suits. He's the one wearing the glasses, so you know he's smart. <laughs> Kurt Russell is, is essentially the the, the hothead, the, the hothead with the big mullet and the wife beater. <laughs> And Terry Hatcher has got the weirdest oh, strip right. act in history. Where it's like she doesn't even like strip down naked, but she plays electric drums yep. like Sheila E. <laughs> Just this movie doesn't make any sense. <laughs> if you 
want to compare you to this one. What a this mo- You know what this movie? This movie is a rolling non sequitur. It is. It's ninety minutes of just nonsense. Play the old Sierra game Space Quest Six if you want a good parody of Tango and Cash. Oh God. <laughs> All right, moving on. Oh, this movie might have been one of the ones to start the downturn of Eddie Murphy's career, Harlem Nights. Benny, where's the hash? In the middle cabinet on the third shelf. That's not hash, it's tuna fish. Well, shit, make some tuna then. You got to do something about them eyes, Benny. You got my mouth all ready for hash and eggs and you ain't got no hash. You can't keep fucking with me that way. Bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. Do you want a sandwich? If it's not too much trouble. Don't get smart with me, Benny. The only movie Eddie Murphy ever directed. It's Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor as 1920s gangsters. Uh, I I watched it a couple of times. In the late 80s, that should have been just a... A license license to to print print money? money. Yeah. Especially especially coming after... um, uh, Coming to America. America, yeah, exactly. It's not. It's not. This movie is just, it's, it's bad on so, because nobody told Eddie Murphy no. That's a bad idea. Yeah. And Richard Pryor, too, was, he was like not healthy in this movie. No, he was not healthy. He looked, he looked sick, sick in this movie. And, you know, amazingly, he lasted like another 15 years. Somehow. Before he died, but yeah. He, he just, looked like a stroke victim in this he movie. He looked sick. But they wanted him in there because Richard Pryor was one of Eddie Murphy's yeah. heroes. Yeah. But it's just the jokes fall flat. Um, there's a lot of just, oh, God, I can't remember the actress's name. But she was just like, she was just the annoying, like, you know, screeching landlady. Yeah. And it was just, not, the jokes all kind of, like, fall flat in a way that you wouldn't see again until, like, Norbert. Yeah. Like, I'm almost amazed that Eddie Murphy didn't play the Richard Pryor part. Yep. Yeah. As well as the uh, Jasmine Guy part. Oh, God. And it's just, it's, was in this it's movie. not too, it's, oh, God. Remember Jack's, uh, Jasmine Guy was somebody? Somebody. Um, at one point. It just, it, it falls flat. And it's a shame, too. Because after this, it was like that series of, like, the Distinguished Gentleman and um, Boomerang. Yeah. Which could very well fall under Eddie Murphy's worst movie when he was still considered an A-list star. <laughs> yep. We went to go see that based on Jim's recommendation, and the next day we met him with pitchforks and torches. <laughs> <laughs> it's that bad. Um, and you wouldn't see like a hit from him again until The Nutty Professor. Yep. Yeah. Which was seven years later. So, yeah, yeah. Poor Eddie. Go back to stand-up, please. Uh, I, well, I don't know why he refused. Actually, he, I don't think he can. Well, let's see. Let me look at the jokes. Can't do that one. Can't do that one. That's the... Yeah, that's Can't the, do that one. Yeah, I, I find that to be uh, bullshit. I I literally have 30 seconds worth of material. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time since Raw. Yeah, it has been. Oh, so much so, has changed. So much. We know so much now. All right. We talked about this a few months ago, but Star Trek V, The Final Frontier... Nah. Moving on. Yeah. Um, William Shatner? No. 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 You want, to talk, you want to talk about a studio that didn't tell its director? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's a bad idea. No. Bad. No. Squirt, Ru- squirt, squirt. Yeah, rub his nose in it. No. 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 <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you don't do this. No. You do not get to beat God. <laughs> All right. Oh, God. The second and final one of the Timothy Dalton Bond movies, Licensed to Kill. Ah! 
You know what the weird thing about? I kind of have this bizarro soft spot for this movie. Do you and, really? But kind of like in a, I've got a sore tooth and I just keep touching it. <laughs> just because you need to feel something. There's just, <laughs> and you know, it comes down to this, you know, because Felix Leiter is in it, and Felix gets married, and, and gets shot, and he gets shot. And he's like, what happened to my wife? And Benicio Del Toro, who is still learning English at this point, and this is what sticks with me. He says, she had a very nice honeymoon in that, di- in that exact <laughs> delivery. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm in for the rest of this movie now. <laughs> Was this they literally used like an anti-pressure machine to kill people. They like just literally see their face expand and blow up. Was this one with uh, Jordan Baker as the villain? <clears throat> no, that was... Um, that was the Living Daylights. Oh, okay. Quote unquote, the good one. <laughs> <laughs> the, the better one, I guess. Poor Timothy Dalton. The sick thing is, he, is he, that he, he could have spent his career playing Rocketeer esque villains. Yeah. Because he was. I just recently watched, rewatched The Rocketeer, and I really loved him in that. It's like, oh, God, you could have been a better Bond. You could have. Uh, and his career kind of stalled since then. Pretty much. Except so for Doom Patrol. <laughs> All right, next up in hot fuzz. Hot fuzz, yeah, hot fuzz. Kind of the, mo- the like the hottest, most controversial movies yeah. of '89. Do the right thing. Where is the Miller highlight? No more highlight. You look what we happened by. No more highlight. What kind of a joint is this? How come no more highlight? Look, doctor, this ain't Korea or China or wherever you come from. You get some Miller High Life in this funky joint. You buy another beer. The mayor. Don't drink this dry shit. Tastes like cold pot liquor. But you asking a lot to make a man change his beer. You asking a lot, doctor. Yeah. This is one of those movies. If you want to talk about. Hollywood Awards whitewashing. You want to go back to Green Book and kind of forgetting the lessons that were learned over the last few years. Do the Right Thing was not nominated for Best Picture or Best Director. Um, the only actor to get nominated was Danny Aiello. Yeah. One of three Wait. prominent white characters in this movie. And this movie essentially is more as, as poignant today as it was 30 years ago. Because we have fucking learned nothing. I'm sure Spike Lee wasn't, wasn't you know, angry about, about that at all. Yeah, yeah. He was actually, no, he was nominated for um, screenplay. Yeah. He did get a screenplay nomination. He wouldn't win uh, an Oscar until this year yeah. for Black Klansman. And he was still, like, he was part of a writing team. He didn't develop the story. Right. This was pure Spike Lee at the, you know, I, I keep using the zenith of his power. This is Spike Lee at his absolute best. Yeah. Yeah. This is his best. You know, when he dies, this is the movie they're going to show films to. They showed this to me in film class down south in North Carolina where it was it was divided between, you know, me and the rest of the theater fags and um, all the black kids and this one fucking redneck that thought he was going to get an easy A by watching movies. We literally called him Big Red. <laughs> And he was essentially, you know, just overweight, tight, like, white, sloppy shirt, Ugh. you know, the trucker hat. And he always had, like, one of those big, like, large size plastic cups you used to get from uh, Pizza Hut back in the day. And you just spit yeah. his chaw into it. Ugh. And the entire time we watched this movie in film class, 
It was me and the rest of the theater fags watching the black people who are eyeing this guy waiting for him to say one stupid thing. Because this guy said anything sideways, they would have been within their fucking rights to do something about it. Possibly one of the most majestic movie watching experiences I've ever had in my life. I'd seen the movie three times before, so... Uh. It's like, yeah, 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 Rosie Perez, no, it's, um, yeah, Rosie Perez's yeah. nipple, I'm good. <laughs> I've seen it before. <laughs> but, oh my god, this is such a good movie. But this is, when he dies, this is the one they're going to show, this is the one they're going to talk about. Fair Pretty much, yeah. Yep. So, sorry, I got off on a tangent what? there. And I apologize to all my theater fag friends. So, uh, <laughs> we're back there. We're down south, god damn it. <laughs> I was from the north. All right. Um, all Dogs Go to Heaven. This is a fucking depressing movie. Uh, I've never seen it. So this movie I can't, is I can't dark as shit. Yeah. Is it really? Oh, it's my extraordinarily God. Depressing. I don't know how Don Bluth pumping out movie, uh, a movie a year. Because they're all directed by him. I saw, I saw it when I was young. I was like... I don't want us to watch this movie ever again. Well, you know, I was seven. I was actually I was seventeen when this movie came out. So I was so clever as all dogs go to hell. So, uh, <laughs> which is essentially how this movie ends, by the way. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Glory. This movie keeps coming back every every, every couple of years. Well, it's considered it, one of the best Civil War movies ever made. It's and that's. That is, I'd almost say it's no easy feat because apparently it's impossible to make a good Civil War movie. This might be the only one. Probably, yeah. I'm sure that someone's like, oh, you know, the blue and the gray. Yeah, all right, all right. sure, whatever. Okay. Get back there with your 1940s sensibilities. Um, yeah, Glory is such, such a fantastic movie. The other thing, too, it's interesting because that regiment was based out of Massachusetts. Yep. So we learned about him. The 54th. Yep. I always found it interesting that this is Matthew Broderick's like first real dramatic role. Huh. Actually, yeah. it's not because he had done Torch Song Trilogy the year before, which is a very serious role. But yeah, he this is like his first like leading yeah. serious role. Carrie Elways is in this. I always forget he's in it. Yeah, Denzel Washington won an Oscar for this movie. Yes, he did. Uh, Morgan Freeman just stands above everybody else because he's Morgan fucking Freeman. He's awesome. <laughs> Andre Brower is in this oh, one. Oh, that's right, he was. He's young. He was the educated house slave. Yep. And he's so good in this. I mean, he's better now as uh, Lieutenant Holt on uh, on Brooklyn Nine-Nine just because... Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Holt. <laughs> um, but, oh my God, what a fantastic movie this is. This really, truly is a great Civil War movie, especially because... It doesn't end happily. They did right. not. They did not, no. they did they not play well. with a lot of history on here. I'm sure a lot of the narrative was fudged to make it a more narratively interesting well, he's a, he's a story. Exactly. But the actual story. His the actual. But they all history. ended up dead on the beach at the it, end. It no. It did not end well for the 54th. No, it did. Not. Have you seen Glory? No. Wow. Yeah, it, this is one you need to seek well, out. I'm, I'm not big on war movies. I'm not either. I really am not, especially for the Civil War, because. Let's face it, the Civil War, as someone, as someone who lived down south for several years, I, I really hate the Civil the War. The Civil War didn't, well, it didn't end well for anybody. Didn't, no, it didn't end well for anybody. Well, it, the, it the, problem, the problem with the Civil War is, in the last, <laughs> besides being the Civil War, but as, as, as kind of a, a fan of history, 
the problem with the, the, the after effects of the Civil War is that it is very much romanticized in the South. And yeah. a lot of the facts are fudged to fit their... Their rom- narrative. Their narrative and their romantic view of what actually happened. So you can't make a true Civil War, a mov- a Civil War movie that truly reflects what the occurrences are, what the actual, uh, what actually happened, what was the, the reasoning behind the Civil War. And a movie like Glory does that right. Yeah. It shows what actually happens. This is what actually was going on. You can't do that nowadays. You haven't been really able to do that since Birth of a Nation. Right. Thanks to Birth of a Nation, right. everything got fucked and, up. And the thing is, with, with the with, with Civil War, it has created a permanent schism between North and South that yeah. still lasts to this oh, yeah. day. Oh, yeah. Um, where, with Glory, the interesting thing also is that they, they're never once revered as heroes. At all. There isn't right. that moment where, like, they're going out because they're the first ones and all the white soldiers are like, yes! No, yes! That doesn't happen. Nope. They do it because it's their duty. This is what they signed on to do and they're going to do this. Um, like war movies or not, I'm not a big war movie guy myself, but this movie is just, as a piece of, of movie history, it's excellent. It truly is excellent. Um, now, let's go in the opposite direction here about truly it's truly not excellent. Um... <laughs> No Holds Barred. Which one was this? This was uh, Hulk the Hogan. Hulk Hogan starring movie. Oh, that's, yeah, written yeah. in one weekend oh, cool. by Hulk Hogan, Vincent K. Oh, McMahon, and a sentient pile of cocaine. <laughs> of course. This, oh my god, this movie. There is a great, um, how did this get made on this movie where the team works with Thomas Lennon from the state and many other things. And it's just, it's, it's a brilliant piece of comedy. Because... Hulk Hogan essentially is just the king of all media. He's just, you know, he's not just the, you know, the biggest star in wrestling. He's the biggest star in all of TV. Yeah. And the evil network head is essentially going to Joker levels of, of sheer evilness of villainy. and villainy, of villainy to get Rip. That's his name. The Rip. funniest part about this too is that like Hulk Hogan keeps throwing up this uh, this this like this his hand sign, which essentially is the shocker. <laughs> Two in the stick, one in the pink, brother. Oh, God. Oh, the, God. It's so uh, bad. The only thing I remember about this movie is Dookie. Oh, yeah. What's that <laughs> smell? Dookie. This introduces us to tiny Zeus Lister. Zeus. Which, by the way, culminated in a match at SummerSlam. <laughs> tiny Lister could not wrestle. Nope. He could wrestle about as well as he could look you dead in the eyes with both eyes. Yep. If you got the joke, God bless you. I got the God joke. bless you. Um, oh, and this was supposed to launch Hulk Hogan's career into in movies. The, yeah. The other, the other, my other favorite part about this is that Hulk Hogan, about 15, 20 years ago, wrote this tome of lies called Hulk Rules, <laughs> where he talked about this movie and how. Um, it was it. It should have opened at number one, but it got beaten out by Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters oh, yeah. was in its third week of release. Yeah, Ghostbusters two. Ghostbusters two, exactly. Yeah, sorry, but yes, third week of release. Um, go watch this movie if you can because it's just so fucking shitty. It really I is. If you, if you want a classic Hulk Hogan oeuvre, go for Suburban Commando. Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> Mr. Nanny, maybe worse. Actually, I think it's Mr. Nanny. 
So you can like he's like walking down the street or he's riding his motorcycle down the street and you can literally see somebody throwing a dog into the ocean. <laughs> like a dead dog that he's grabbing with it all fours and just hurling, you know, just boomerang hurling it into the ocean. <laughs> um all right, so next up another terrible movie released that year, The Wizard. I, 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 I get a soft spot for The Wizard. I don't, know, I don't any I, movie that puts the Nintendo Power Glove on that high of a pedestal deserves <laughs> all the shit that I'm about to heap on it. Oh, Fred! It's Savage. so cool. I, I just, I just remember being in awe that it premiered uh, Super Mario Bros. Three. And that's, you know, I was talking to Scott at work, and he was like, "That's the only thing I remember." Is like, "Hey, look, there's a third Super Mario coming out, and it looks like Mario." I remember hey. one other thing about this movie. Yeah. California. Oh, oh God. God. All right. Clearly autistic. Another movie that was supposed to be a huge hit and then did the exact opposite of which, Young Einstein. This was supposed to launch the American career of Yahoo Serious. Oh, that's right. I remember every big budget movie that came out prior to this, you would see a trailer for Young Einstein. About how young Einstein, you know, Albert Einstein was actually born in Tasmania because, yeah, yeah. you know, Yahoo St- Sirius is from Tasmania. Yeah. Actually, no, he's from Australia, but for some reason they just figured this was a joke. Um, the best review I heard about this movie was what show were we doing in the spring of 89? We we're doing Midsummer Night's Dream, and I'm, I'm like, we're, I'm downstairs in the, yeah. in the dressing room, and someone's talking about that. It was like, oh my God, I can't believe they're trying to get us to believe that uh, Albert Einstein is from Tasmania. And somebody else got. God, I wish you could remember who it was. Looks at him and goes, It's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A couple of other movies. We're running long, so we gotta get we gotta snap this up here. The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. That was Terry Gilliam. That was directed that was Terry by Terry Gilliam. Gilliam and is up until a point the the least successful movie ever made based on budget versus box office take. Okay. You know, and obviously they're talking about larger budget movies. They're not talking yeah. about something like Zizek's Road, which, you know, cost like a tidy million dollars and literally had three people see it in the theater. Um, Didn't this one also have like John Cleese and Michael Palin in it? Uh, Eric Idle was in this one. Okay. I'm sure that they made appearances. Sting makes a quick appearance in it. Robin Williams. Robin Williams makes a quick appearance. Here's the movie. Uma Thurman actually made her film debut in this movie. Wow. As Venus. Yep. You kind of saw like half of her boobs. Oh. Yeah, so there you go. Um, it's it's a very beautiful movie, but it tries a little too much, but not enough to be Monty Python. Well, it's Terry Gilliam. I understand that, but it's like it didn't fully commit to wanting to be a Monty Python movie, nor did it want to be its own thing. Right. But it, it got its foot stuck in the door, and it can't like get out well, one way or another. That's kind of all of Terry Gilliam's movies. I mean, even no, no Brazil, Brazil, Brazil had no. Monty Python DNA. Brazil has no. I think Brazil had Monty Python DNA, but no point trying to replicate Monty Python, with the exception of Michael Palin just being in the movie. Brazil is a brilliant movie. Yeah, oh yeah. But again, when he dies, that's what they're going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, Time Bandits. Yeah, Time Bandits is a great movie, but Brazil is his zenith. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm going to wonder who who typed this on my list here. Friday the Thirteenth, Part. V-I-7, Jason Takes Manhattan. Who do you think? Oh, jeez. Wait, is it part... No, no, it was part eight. It was part eight? Sorry. Uh, well, it's all false then. The Ocho. 
The Ocho. Yeah. Part Ocho, Jason Takes Manhattan. Does he, you don't need to update it now, Mike. It's okay. I just did. Uh, okay. Jason Takes Manhattan. Yeah. Um, the only thing I remember watching scenes from this when we discussed Friday the 13th movies a few years ago was that he gets into a karate fight yeah. with some guy and he's just like rope-a-doping him and then punches his head clean off his fucking shoulders. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Honestly... The entire movie doesn't even take place in Manhattan. No. It takes place on a boat. No, well, yeah, except for the third act. I, honestly, the the biggest issue I have with this one is that the ending is just stupid. The the, 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 the like the, how they get rid of Jason is just stupid. You don't say. But the but the rest of it is just kind of goofy fun. Right. Like, there there is there's nothing serious about it. It's just goofy fun. It's a movie, not a film. Exactly. All right. Still not as good as Jason X, though. Okay. Puppet Master. We reviewed this at Halloween. Yes, we did. Like, <laughs> have you seen this movie, Joe? No, I've not. Oh my god. It's it's interesting. Dumb fun. The issue is that the only way I could watch it was on Amazon Prime through the Elvira yeah. things, Jesus. and she pops up with her terrible jokes, and HD has not been kind to her. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's 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 like sci-fi channel horror. Oh really? Bad, but like good sci-fi channel horror bad. Which isn't saying a lot. It's sci-fi channel horror with tits. Yeah. 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 Oh, this one sits alone. Yeah. There's not a lot. And most of the movie doesn't make any sense. And you don't ever once remember any of the characters' names. No. All right. How do you remember the puppets? Okay. That's true. You do remember the puppets. See no evil, hear no evil. Oh, my goodness. I thought you'd never come. Do you know what's happened to him? Yeah, of course I know what's happened. This is called blindness hystericus. Oh, my God. Yeah, sometimes it comes just like that. How do you treat it, Doctor? Well, the left brain and the right brain are having a little fight with each other, and you got to distract them just for a minute. Now, Doctor Johansson, how many fingers am I holding up in front of your eyes right now? Three! Good. That's pretty good, considering that he's blind. Did you also put that in there? I did. Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor's final... Was it their final? I think it was their last collaboration together, yeah. It's actually, I think, the only one of them oh, out there is I barely, seen. barely remember this movie. I, Again, I, Richard Pryor, not looking good. No, but this one, with Gene with Gene Wilder, I thought it was funny. I thought it was really funny. A blind guy and a deaf guy who witness a murder. Yep. And they have to try to get away from this, the killers. Hmm. I know, honestly, I don't think I've ever seen this one. It's it's actually I think it's the only one of their collaborations I've seen. Right. Okay. Um, I've seen all the way through, and it, it I, I it's it's I still think it's funny. So we had mentioned this last year because technically speaking, it was released on the film f- festival circuit last yeah. year. Heather's saw its, its its domestic release in 1990. Yeah. That is a dark ass movie. It's dark and it's aged horribly. Yeah. Yeah. However. I think I've seen... Are you okay, Joe? Yeah, I'm fine. I think I've seen this movie no less than 30 times. But all the the time I saw it, it was between 1989 and 1993. Well, that's the thing. In high school, this was the movie. Yeah. Everybody talked about this movie. It was... This set the aesthetic from 1989 to 1991. Yeah. It pretty much did. Corn nuts. And this was this was essentially set uh, Christian uh, Slater on his Jack Nicholson esque yep. career for at least five or six years. And Winona Ryder. 
Yep. Yeah. This was her big, like, non-child actor yeah. Yeah. role. And she's great in this movie. Oh, God, yeah. So both of them are actually really good. They actually show really nice chemistry together. I'm just yeah. sad they don't work together again. Yeah, maybe, maybe... Maybe in Stranger Things Season 4? Yeah. Now she'll need a new boyfriend now, won't she? We don't know that yet. We don't know that yet. Um, And then finally, I'm going to assume, Mike, you typed this one in. The Burbs. Just because it's Tom Hanks. Saw this in the theater. Oh, boy. There, I, there's a range of one, Tom Hanks this one, movies. This one's a bit of a cult class. considered a bit of a cult classic. Yeah. It's, it has its fans, Dan. You can't it does have it. its fans. It it's definitely has its fans. Plus, Joe Dante directed this movie. Joe Dante's a goddamn genius. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He really is. Um, it's not my favorite Tom Hanks comedy. Not not even by a mile. No. But it's, it is... It's got some interesting things. It's serviceable. It's just, yeah. It's serviceable... Not a hundred percent memorable. It's serviceable to a fault. This is a home video. This is a home yes, video watch. This yeah. is like get yeah. excited for home video. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's that's that. Yeah. And that's the movies of nineteen eighty nine. We got it in under two hours. Yeah. So Mike starts editing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the editors yeah. are going to push this one over. Yeah, that's fine. We 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 went super long last time. We split it up. This one we're not. Yeah, I did do that. Sorry. Because yeah. why not? We're almost done. No, we're almost done. Yeah. Unless you're putting in five-minute clips, which will kill us on copyrights. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I try to keep my clips to 30 to 45 seconds. Gotcha. So anyway, uh, next up, for the, the next show, we are going to be discussing the best moments and scenes in the MCU. With the release of Spider-Man Far From Home, the, the Infinity Saga is officially over. Yes. 21 movies. No, 20, no, 22. 22. 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 22 movies have gone by. We've got to have at least 20 amazing, memorable scenes, um, which we are going to recap. <clears throat> I haven't decided if we're doing this in kind of like a best of order or we're just gonna take we're just gonna take a few votes. I haven't decided exactly how that's gonna work Maybe out we'll just yet. Do chronological. We do whatever. I am gonna we are gonna enlist um, some of our fellow podcasts within the Potter and family to um, yep. assist with this. Already got the buy-in for two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, M from Verbal Diorama, so go listen to her show. And Rob Glazer, who uh, hosts Altered Universe, which is a podcast that I've been uh, guesting on. You can check him out on Spotify and Anchor and iTunes. Mm-hmm. So definitely just type in Altered Universe. You can follow him at Twitter uh, at Altered Universe 1 and on Facebook for Altered Universe Podcast. Um, so definitely check out his stuff. I just discussed, and just launched today, actually, the day we recorded this, our discussion of the top uh, X-Men villain, scariest villains. And we also had a discussion between who would win between the Hulk and Superman. 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 Oh, it came out to a draw. Spoilers. Listen to the episode. You'll understand where how we came to that. So definitely give both of them a listen. Um, you can uh, check us out on uh, Twitter. At uh, Geek Salad Radio, which, uh, by the way, just surpassed 500 followers. Woo! Thank you, everybody. Uh, we, we're also on Facebook at uh, Geek Salad Podcast. You can check out our archive at geeksalad.podbean.com or on the Podbean app. Listen to us at Stitcher, Spotify, Google Music, and iTunes. And also, we have weekly content that goes up for YouTube. Yep. Uh, our retro movie reviews. Recently, we just did Airplane. Yeah. Great movie. Yes. Um, and you can also get the audio uh, stream 
for the show there as well. So definitely subscribe, please. Subscribe, like the videos, and do all that fun stuff. Yes, please. So, yes. So, anyway, until next time, I'm Andy. I'm Mike. And I'm Joe. Go forth and be nursed. Talk to you later. Under the sea. Under the sea. Under the sea. When the sardine begin to be deep, it's music to me. What do they got? A lot of sand. We got a Possession band. Each little clown here know how to jam here under the sea. Each little slug here cutting a rug here under the sea. Each little snail here know how to whale here. That's why it's hot under the water. Yeah, we in luck here, down in the muck here under the sea. Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>